Hello, rising entrepreneurs. Welcome back to Student Entrepreneur 101. For this episode, I will be speaking with Kayla Castaneda, co-founder and CEO of Agua Bonita, a ready-to-drink aguas frescas beverage company that is on a mission to share better-for-you drinks inspired by traditional and bold new flavors. Kayla is a Forbes 30 Under 30 alum and is the first Latina in the consumer packaged goods industry to raise more than $1 million. In this episode, Kayla and I will be talking about her experience with Agua Bonita and her entrepreneurial journey. Keep listening to hear what Kayla has to say about Agua Bonita, the startup process, and more. Kayla, hello and welcome to Student Entrepreneur 101. Thank you for being on the show today. Please say hello and share one recent entrepreneurial breakthrough you and your team have had so far. Hi, everyone, um, and thank you for having me, Rose. Uh, let me see. One recent experience and a big win for us um, was actually going through the Target Takeoff Food and Beverage Accelerator. Um, so we were chosen as one of 10 brands to be a part of this really uh, competitive accelerator program with Target, the retailer. And we got to learn just so much and get to like deepen our relationship with them. And so I think that like accelerator programs of any degree are always helpful for anyone. But when you can get into like a really big one, even more so. Absolutely. Yeah. Congratulations. That is amazing. And that's a big deal, you know, and that I feel like is taking a next step to having Agua Bonita as, you know, a household name and beverage, which is so exciting for you guys. And yeah, congratulations. It's a big deal. And I wish you the best of success in that um, next step in your journey. Thank you. Yeah, you're definitely right. And I think, I think you will be seeing Agua Bonita in lots and lots of places pretty soon. Well, I can't wait. I'm really excited to see that happen. So let's start with the beginning. You know, what set you on the path to entrepreneurship and what was your inspiration for Agua Bonita? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's a little bit of two questions in there. Like my inspiration for entrepreneurship in general was just that I always wanted to create something that I was very passionate about and that could give me the flexibility and creativity of working on something that I really wanted to see come to life. Um, but I know there's like a funny TikTok that uh, is going around and it's like, I, I didn't want to work my nine to five anymore. So then I started my own company and now I work 24 seven. And that is very, very true. So I don't know flexibility is always like the best word, but um, it allows for creativity. I would say flexibility and creativity is what inspired my entrepreneurial journey. When it came to Agua Bonita, I really wanted to create something that was reflective of myself and of my family, of our culture, and something that I wanted. Um, and that is really a lot of the inspiration that was drawn to create Agua Bonita. I mean, we um, took a lot of inspiration from my grandpa and his practices um, of bringing home fresh fruit from the fields and making aguas frescas and kind of turned that into, you know, our whole model. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And you shared so many really great points there. You know, entrepreneurship, joining because it gives you the freedom, like the lifestyle freedom to work and, you know, kind of dive into your own creativity and build something that can provide value to people. And that's an expression of you, your identity, your culture and your background. And so that's a really, that's a really beautiful story. And that definitely comes through uh, from what I've seen in Agua Bonita. So yeah, that's, Thank that's you. awesome. Now, 
let's dive into the launch process. What was that like for you with Agua Bonita? Was that your first ever launch of a product? And, you know, what was the experience there, the emotions and what was going on at the time? Yeah, so I've worked in food and beverage for a while now, like the better part of the last 10 years. And one of those jobs that I had was with Coca-Cola. So I knew quite a bit about the business of beverage. Um, and there had been a couple of times where I had tossed around really like entrepreneurship in the beverage world. And so like my significant other and I, we have um, like a food truck. Um, well, it's just drinks though. And so that was, you know, a first foray into entrepreneurship in the beverage side. And then for a little while, I wanted to really create like a ready to drink or an instant coffee. And that was really like a solo effort. But by doing that really helped me like realize all the ins and outs of what I was going to need to launch something. And so around that time, I was consulting for small food and beverage startups and helping other leadership teams, you know, get their products all zipped up. And so that's when I realized that I really wanted to do this for myself. And at that point had done enough of the like startup side of things and enough of the corporate side of things to launch my own product. But I think, you know, uh, people tend to think like, oh, you just think of something and then you do it and, you know, you're an entrepreneur, but it's really like uh, a series of events and a series of different learnings that lead you to that moment of launch. Yes, absolutely. And you're, you're completely right. You know, like a series of events and part of that's market validation. So do you have mm -hmm. any, like, um, if you could share your experience there, you know, how did you get people to try your first products that, you know, you you created and where did you find people to try your products and what was that like you know um, going through those product iterations because I feel like that's a really important part of the launch process yeah so for us we found those people on the on the internet um we actually got you know um product market fit very early on and so I caution other entrepreneurs that you know our um, progress in that part of the business was really um, an outlier. Um, so, you know, we, I created Agua Bonita, got it made, and then thought that it was going to take months for our initial pilot to like sell out. And it only took a few weeks and we were able wow. to sell, you know, like hundred, like a hundred thousand units our first year, um, direct to consumer, which was 2020. So like we only had direct to consumer to lean on and that really validated the product market fit because we were doing that without spending any money on marketing. Um, it was just, you know, the design of the can and the draw of the brand and the brand story and a lot of pitch competitions. Um, so we got that market validation very, very quickly, but that is not usually the case and usually that takes a lot longer and even people sometimes raise money to get that product market fit um so yeah just a a caution or a, a comfort to other folks like if it takes a long time it's totally normal to like take take a while yeah wow that's amazing and i something i want to you know touch a little bit more on is that product market fit. So how you were able to connect Agua Bonita to your ideal customers so quickly. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of um, marketing and building a brand, 
at the beginning, it starts with you wanting to solve a problem, right? And usually it's a problem that you have. But at some point, you actually need to solve problems for other people, not your own problems. And you may not be your actual um, consumer. You are really building to solve other people's problems. In this case, it just so happens that I am our like ideal consumer. I fit into you know the entire demographic and stuff like that. But um, you kind of learn that through trial and error and really listening to what the market has to say. And so like as a founder, I would say one of your biggest skills has to be like listening and like iterating on the feedback that you're given from other people um, when it comes in overwhelming uh, waves. So yeah, I mean, you just kind of have to have your ear to the ground and listen to be able to make those pivots. Yes, absolutely. Like really listening and understanding, okay, who is my ideal customer? You know, what are their needs? What problems do they need solved? And then connecting your product to them in those ways. And so for you, it just, that was a perfect, that was a perfect match. Yeah. And people will tell you, like people love to talk and people love to tell you what they like and they don't like and what they'd like to see if you like create the space to listen to them. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, pivoting a little more into the marketing aspect of Agua Bonita, you know, when it comes to creating a brand, I feel like a lot of times you hear that the importance of telling, you know, a story and being authentic and, you know, sharing something valuable that is uniquely you, that you bring into the world with your product. So what have you learned during your, you know, journey with Agua Bonita when it comes to, you know, branding and creating like, and emphasizing the importance of identity around, your product and you know can you can you share a little bit about that what you've discovered yeah so for us as a brand we like to stand out um you know we're in a really competitive space and there are certain ways of doing things that we have kind of just like shunned and I think that that has helped us like double down on our brand and our brand identity. And so like one example of that is that we are in aluminum cans, um, you know, but we are a non-sparkling drink. So that is not really typically something that you see, but the reason why we are in aluminum cans is because they're infinitely recyclable and people are most likely to recycle aluminum. Like if you look at the recycle rates for plastic, it's abysmal, but aluminum, people are the most uh, likely to recycle aluminum. So we really wanted to make that choice, even though that's not an industry standard and your packaging really informs a lot of how um, the parameters with which you're able to build your brand identity from like a visual um, standpoint. So I would say, you know, you kind of have to figure out like what you want to stand for and then build around that. And so like that was just like one manifestation of the way like our brand identity um, visually took form, being informed by, you know, some of our like core um, beliefs. Yes, yes, definitely. And, you know, building on the idea of sticking to your values and core beliefs, you know, as a brand, as a as a founder of a company, can you um, can you share a word of advice for for first time entrepreneurs trying to figure out, you know, how can they intersect their, their identities and their backgrounds with their business ideas? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess my word of advice would be don't try too hard. Um, it should just be something that feels natural to you um, because if it doesn't feel natural to you and you're like forcing it too much, um, people are going to be able to pick up on that, like uh, just that, that missed mark and it won't feel as authentic. So like you really should do things that feel like a natural fit for you um, versus like trying to, you know, just find something to exasperate. Um, and so I would just say like amplify what feels most comfortable for you because you'll be able to like spread that out across your brand and have that identity really amplified. Yes, absolutely. That's pure gold. And I feel like a lot of that has parallels in marketing. You know, if we, if we go back to the marketing experience, you know, presenting, presenting it in a way that's meaningful, you know, not just like another thing to put out there, but something that has a meaning for people and, you know, can be like tied emotionally to their experiences as consumers. And so, you know, in your experience with marketing, what are what are the top three qualities that you've seen and learned to make a successful marketing campaign for your products? Oh man. So for us, marketing looks a little different um, than, than I would say more mature companies because we're still pretty early on in our life cycle. And so right now we lean in a lot on like organic uh, marketing tactics so one element of that is just really strong storytelling. So like a big way that we were able to spread our brand awareness was by like participating in a lot of pitch competitions. Um, so I went to like every pitch competition that I could um, to win money for our business, but also to spread our story. And so it was sort of an unintentional marketing campaign, um, but it really kind of helped just like drive home that our story was at the heart of our brand. Um, so that's one element that I think like any good marketing campaign has to have some sort of story, something that you're telling people. Um, and then another component of a good marketing campaign, I would say is like the ability to like measure it. So different marketing campaigns have different ends, you know, not every marketing campaign is meant for like, sales conversions, right? Some marketing campaigns are just meant for like brand awareness or some are meant for like, you know, growing your email list or something like that. So I would say like you at the onset really need to like decide what the point of that marketing campaign is um, so that you're able to like measure the impact of it um, very specifically. Um, and so I would say like any good marketing campaign, yeah, has a story and then has like a very specific goal. Yes, definitely. That's really helpful to know. And, you know, and when it comes to storytelling, that's so important because as a founder, that's how you develop your know, like, and trust. And that's how you really connect and speak directly to your, your ideal customers. Right. And then the idea with having specific goals, I, I definitely align with that because it's one way that you can really like set these metrics along the journey and then kind of measure growth. Okay. Like what strategy worked here? You, you saw growth in this certain strategy, you know, okay, let's apply that to A, B, and C. And then from there, just keep scaling efficiently. Yeah. And just having really a way to keep an eye on your growth metrics um, in marketing. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. 
And you were talking about pitch competitions. Can you share a little more about your experience there? You know, how do you find pitch competitions as an entrepreneur? And what was it like entering that space if it was maybe your first time? Yeah, so I have had the good fortune of entering a lot of pitch competitions and winning every pitch competition I've entered into. So we won, <laughs> won about uh, like half a million dollars um, to date in like pitch competition winnings and grants and stuff like that. Um, so for us, it was a big part of our trajectory, getting that capital to like help build our business before we raised money. Um, and it also helped get investors to like really take us seriously because like if you win enough pitch competitions, you know, someone's going to give you a second look. Um, I would say when it comes to pitch competitions, there are a few pointers that I give people is just like, yeah, you really have to hone in on your story, like what your story is. That's all a pitch is, is really your story. Um, you need to tailor it for the audience that you're speaking to, because not every audience is going to care equally about you know, the same elements of your story as another audience will, and then um, practice your timing. Um, but aside from that, when it comes to sourcing pitch competitions, like Google is a good place to start. There's a ton of stuff on Instagram. There's a lot of communities on Instagram and a lot of organizations that just want to amplify, you know, the opportunities for grants and pitches and stuff like that. So, uh, hello, Alice is a good one. Uh, the new voices foundation is a good one. Um, black girl ventures is a good one. There's, there's a lot of different ones, you know, um, that you can really like tap into and just like open up the newsletters, really like open up the newsletters. People look at these emails and like kind of treat them like spam and stuff like that. But there's a lot of free money inside of those things. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And that is some serious money that, you know, you, you've demonstrated that you have the potential to earn as an entrepreneur in these pitch competitions. And guys, for those of you listening, I hope you're taking notes because those are, I mean, Kayla just listed off some really amazing resources. You know, if you're looking to start pitching and, you know, gaining some traction in terms of funding your, your company and the, the growth. And so, yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. That's so amazing. And, you know, you pointed out so many really important points, which are honing down your story, really understanding that. And then two, like walking in and knowing your audience and understanding, okay, this is how I'm going to connect with them. And so you can speak directly to them and have the most impact on them. And three, technology really democratizes, you know, our ability to succeed as entrepreneurs. You can just hop on Google, do a quick search, and then you have all of these resources available to you. And so, you know, your, your accessibility to different, different resources is really unlimited with, with our technology today. So yeah, that's really amazing. Thank you for sharing that there. Cause I know, you know, when it comes to pitch competitions, that's something that students especially would be very interested in when it comes to, you know, raising the capital for their businesses. Yeah, for sure. And there are just like so many opportunities. It, it is time consuming, you know, but, um, it's well worth it if you can invest the time. Yes, absolutely. And when you were sharing your, your story and your experience in pitch competitions, you, you drew a distinction between entering in pitch competitions and raising money like from investors. Mm -hmm. And so now 
that, that this would be a good time to segue into that. So Kayla, at what point in your journey with Agua Bonita, did you decide that you wanted to start reaching out to investors and raise funding that in that way? You know, aside from pitch competitions, what factors went into your decision? So I knew at the same time that I had the idea for Agua Bonita, that there was going to come a day where I was going to need to raise money for it. Um, because consumer packaged goods, and if you're a founder out there wanting to like go into consumer packaged goods, um, is a very expensive industry. And unless you have just a ton of money, um, personally, you're gonna either grow very slowly, um, because you're just spending all of your personal money reinvesting, um, or you raise money the way that we did, or like, I don't know, you just have some crazy phenomenal growth that no one has ever seen before and you don't need to raise any money. Um, chances are that is not, that is not going to happen. Um, so for us, I knew day one that there was going to come a day eventually that I was going to have to raise money. Um, about a year into it um, was when I decided like, okay, we are at the point now where like Abu Waniza needs money but you have to really like have that um, product market fit down first because you have to craft a story for investors that this is something like worth investing in. So how are you going to do that if you don't have product market fit, you know? So we uh, bootstrapped the business for a while. And then once we were able to prove out like, okay, this is product market fit. You know what I mean? Then I knew at that point, like, okay, I'm ready to go talk to investors now because I have something with some proven traction and like really great um, adaption. And now I can, I can scale this from here. Um, so yeah. So I would say like, it's always good to start the conversations with investors early, just so you have relationships with them. So like I did that a year before I knew that I was going to be asking them for money just so that they could, you know, um, stay up on our wins and stay in the loop and stuff like that. But you really, really have to like have something to show people. And right now the um, investment landscape is actually a lot more difficult than it has been in the last like five, 10 years. And so you're going to have to really come to those conversations prepared. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, that's so, so important. Having that traction, you know, find, first finding that product market fit and then being able to grow and find that traction that so that you can present those hard facts, those, those data points and really those results to investors. And when you're trying to reach out to them and convince them, you know, why your product should matter to them, why it's important for the market and, you know, for those who you're serving and why it's worth their time. So yeah, that's, that's so important. And you mentioned that it's actually become a more difficult landscape to navigate in the past five to 10 years. Can you, can you explain, you know, a little bit about how it's shifted and what it's like entering today? Yeah. I mean, that's probably a whole podcast episode in and of itself, but, um, I will say like traditionally uh, CPG is just a part of the industry that just doesn't get a lot of investor love to begin with. So lots of investors like to invest in tech and things like that. And so CPG is kind of like the redheaded stepchild. So that is already difficult in that way. Um, but now that, you know, 
things with the economy have changed and like people are taking a harder look at their investment portfolios and like maybe LPs, which are the people that actually like fund these VC firms, that's where they get the original money from, um, are not being as like uh, generous with their check sizes and things like that. That puts the strain on like VCs to be like much more stringent with like the types of companies that they um, invest in. And sometimes like CPG just doesn't get the same returns as tech. So, I mean, I'm really speaking just from like a CPG founder's point of view as to like why it's shifted and like the hurdles and difficulties that will be ahead for a lot of folks. And then layer on like being a woman and like being a woman of color on top of that. And it can be like very, very difficult. So like, I am actually the first Latina in CPG to raise more than a million dollars, which is crazy because it's like, you know, 2022, there's like less than 90 of us that are like in that club across industries. Um, So that just gives you, you know, a reality check of like how the market is. Um, But that does not mean not to try. It just means you have to come, you know, really, really prepared to those conversations. Well, yeah, you bring up a really great point, an important point, which is that there's different cycles in the economy, right? And, you know, going through this pandemic, people really start to reflect on that. And so taking advantage of the window, even though maybe it's gotten a little smaller in terms of, you know, the amount available for investments out there. So showing up prepared is even even more important than it's ever been. So, yeah. The- yeah and, and I will say, like, there's there's a lot of different ways to get money for your company too. Like I'm specifically talking about like getting money from like VCs and stuff, but like angels, you can approach angels and that's a different conversation. Or you could go to pitch competitions and that's a different conversation. Or you can like crowdfund, right? And that's a different conversation. So it really kind of just depends on like what you want for your company and like how quickly you want to grow. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's all different just depending which route you go. I can only talk about like, you know, the way that I chose to go. Yes, definitely. And uh, speaking to that experience a little more, can you explain what what it was like entering that, I guess, whole new world when it comes to funding? You know, what was that like for you? And, you know, what was your experience like signing on big name investors? I mean, I've, I've read about Agua Bonita and you have individuals like share, you know, investing in you and your company and the vision you have. So can you share your experience there? Yeah. So I think, um, accelerator programs are a good place to start because you need to have a network to leverage. And if you are like an underrepresented founder, chances are like you don't have that reach in your network to get to the people that can write these types of checks. But if you Um, get into some sort of program or community. And it doesn't need to be an accelerator program, although accelerator programs do really help. We went through a great one called SKU. It's a CPG accelerator based in Austin, Texas. If anyone needs a connection that's listening, let me know and I'm happy to make an introduction there. Um, But that's one route. But also just plugging into like communities. So another one for CPG founders is... um, startup CPG. They have a Slack channel. Uh, You can really like get plugged in there because the, the more that you can build out your network, the more 
people are willing to make introductions when they know that like, hey, I believe in this founder and I believe in this product and I would love to see them succeed. So like we've been able to raise off of the strength of our network. And then we've been able to find um, investors that really believe in us. So a couple of them are like supply chain capital um, who like inter invest at the intersection of um, like tech and culture and food. And then another one is uh, Latitude Ventures who they support wholeheartedly like early stage Latino companies. So, you know, getting investors on your cap table that like really believe in you as a founder too, and as a, a company and your mission is going to be important, especially when you need like follow on capital. So yeah, you yes. got to get that network. Yeah, absolutely. Something I hear time and time again is that your network is your net worth in this industry, especially, you know, so it's really important to grow, build and maintain that network because you never know how you can leverage it or how people in your network can support you later on in your journey. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. And so for those of you listening, if you want to know, you know, your network is a big part of getting into that, you know, getting a foot in the door when it comes to funding and, you know, other steps along the journey as well. So yeah, that's amazing. So Kayla, let's talk about where you are now. You know, Agua Bonita has gained so much traction in 2021 alone. You know, you've been featured on Forbes 30 under 30 and you've had the chance to speak on Good Morning America. You know, what is it? Can you share your experience here? Like, what was it like being invited and featured, you know, on these big platforms? Because because I feel like it's every entrepreneur's dream, you know, to be able to have their story and their company featured in these spaces. And so as an entrepreneur, as a woman and as a Latina who's made it here, you know, what, what was that like for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I... For the lack of any other words, I mean, it, it's really cool. I I cannot deny, like, it is super cool every single time that I see even just, like, someone holding an Agua Bonita can or, like, having made a purchase from us or, yeah, getting into one of these, like, big publications and, like, uh, Forbes 30 Under 30 was, like, a life goal of mine and, like, to be able to, like, really check that off um, was kind of, like, a surreal experience for me. So, I, I mean, it is very cool. Um, I will also say though that like the more and more that like our star like rises and you know that the brand gets publicity like I really just feel an obligation to help other people like me to like get to where we're getting to and like and to like keep driving our brand like forward you know so it's like I just want to do more of these things you know and like give more people like me uh, a platform to like also do these things. Um, so yeah, so it's cool. And I just feel an immense sense of like obligation to help other people. That's incredible. And, you know, I love how you said that, you know, you checked Forbes 30 under 30 off your list. You're going to keep going. And, you know, it's so exciting. You know, well, for me, I'm just, <laughs> I'm here watching this and, you know, to see, I'm just excited to see where Al Bonita ends up. And yeah, that's, that's so amazing. And, um, what advice do you have for students who want to eventually reach these heights in entrepreneurship, who want to make it to these spaces? What, what advice would you give them? Man, okay. If, um, if I could give advice to current students, I would say just that um, take everything that you're doing 
and like everything that happens to you as a learning experience because you really never know where you're gonna land like um someone asked me like did you always know you wanted to own a, a beverage company and like my answer really is yes but only like in hindsight because you know it was like okay yeah i was um serving tables in college right and then i had like a, an internship at a pr company that so happened to do like wine and spirits accounts you know and but like both of those things are very very heavy on like food and beverage right and so like the knowledge that i learned there was like okay listening to people and like just like catering to people's tastes and preferences right as a server you learn that all the time and you learn like customer service which is at the root of any good company and then like the pr firm right i learned how to talk to publications about like a brand and like what the whole process is like to talk to editors so it's like I didn't know then that I was going to be doing this now, but somehow like every single thing that I went through helped shape, you know, and really accelerate the success that I'm having now. So I would just say, you know, just take everything as a learning experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned before, like, you maybe didn't know when you were working at the PR firm that you were going to be, you know, eventually like one of those companies that you, that you were working with and, you know, partnering, partnering with. And so, yeah, that's amazing. Taking every opportunity for what it is and, and really trusting the process and knowing that, you know, everything you learned is going to serve you everything, every challenge, every experience, every new opportunity will serve you in the future. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, after reflecting on where you are now, where do you see Agua Bonita growing in the future? You've checked off Forbes 30 under 30. So, you know, what, what do you see as next for your, for your team and your product and also your customer base? Yeah, honestly, we're just getting started. Um, I think that we have so much left to like go and to grow into I would love to see our Bonita like eventually as like Bonita brands and have like multiple um, line extensions. That's like the 10 year dream for us. But like most immediately you'll be able to find our Bonita in some really cool, um, very recognizable retailers. I can't disclose all of them just yet, but you'll be able to see us. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, it's at drink Bonita. We'll be able to like share all of that with you guys soon. Um, and then for our customer base, I would say that like, we're just looking to continue to grow with them. Um, our customers have always been a big part in like shaping the company from like what they like and what they don't like and what they'd like to see more of. And, um, you know, like where do they hang out and us like going and being part of that. So I would say like, we're just looking forward to like getting more, um, and like growing, uh, but also just like learning more from them. Kayla, you have shared such incredible insights and amazing information. You, you know, your inspiring story and, you know, your experiences and your journey with Agua Bonita. Before we go, where can students go to find out more about you and Agua Bonita? Yeah, so our Instagram is a great place to start. It's at drink Agua Bonita. Um, you will find all of the really cool new retailers as um, we get in. There are a lot of them coming, especially this spring. Um, so you'll want to follow us there. And we have really cool stuff. Like right now we're giving away a VIP experience for Bad Bunny. So, you know, 
a lot of cool things happening. Instagram's the best way. Um, you could always check out our website, www at, uh, or www.drinkawabonita.com. Um, yeah. And you can always email me or hit me up in my DMs. I'm around. <laughs> That's awesome, guys. For those of you listening, go check them out. That's so exciting. Kayla, thank you. Thank you so much. What is one final word of advice that you have for student entrepreneurs who listened to our conversation today and were really inspired by it? Don't give up. I would say that's probably my parting advice is just don't give up. If it's really like on your heart to do something like this, you'll figure out what it is that you want to do. Um, but you'll only do that if you keep trying. So don't give up. Kayla, thank you so much. I wish you the best of luck with Agua Bonita. And I'm so excited to see what new heights that you, you reach and how far you go. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That's the end of this episode with Student Entrepreneur 101. Today, we learned the story behind Agua Bonita and listened to Kayla share valuable insights to the entrepreneurial process. What did you learn from Kayla in this week's episode? What are your top three takeaways? Make sure to head over to at Student Entrepreneur 101 podcast on Instagram and share your thoughts in the comment section for this episode. Do you want to help someone you know jumpstart their entrepreneurial journey? Then share this episode with them. Guys, I want to know what you like and what you think could be better so far about Student Entrepreneur 101. And I want to know, what are you struggling with right now? What problems are you facing that are preventing you from either launching or moving forward with your idea and business? I want to know. Please share what areas you guys want help in because for all you student entrepreneurs out there, this podcast is for you. So let me know how I can best serve you. There will be a feedback forum available to you all on the Instagram page. So check out the bio for the link. All right, guys, stay tuned for the next episode because I have even more stories, insights, and value to share with you coming soon. <laughs>